When people took to the oceans, long before there were GPS systems, they had to solve the problem of how to cross the featureless oceans from their point of departure to their destination. And they, they couldn't rely on landmarks uh, to know where they were because, well, none of them are visible once you lose sight of the shoreline over the horizon. And this is a big problem. If they couldn't tell if they were going in a straight line, well, then they might never arrive at land ever again. They could just float around until they run out of food or water and, and die. But thankfully, they could look up at the sky. And if they could keep accurate time, which is no easy task, at least until accurate clocks became available, well, then they could use the sun's position to plot their location and course. And they could also use other stars. Uh, some stars were more useful than others because when you look up at the night sky, for example, you see stars moving across the sky. They don't provide a fixed point of reference. But one star that doesn't move so much is, of course, the North Star. It's called Polaris, or the, it's sometimes called the Star of the Sea because it was used to guide ships through the night. As the Earth rotates and the stars move across the sky, Polaris sits motionless, almost motionless, up there above the North Pole. It's always visible in the Northern Hemisphere, and it can be used by sailors to find their spot on a map and thus their way home. In other words, sailors needed some light, some point of reference to keep track towards a goal. Otherwise, they would end up floating and lost, never arriving. And the same thing is true on our journey to God. Every single one of us starts out the same, as infants who inherit original sin and in need of redemption. And we all, likewise, have the same exact goal. We are made, as the Baltimore Catechism tells us, to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, so as to be with him forever in heaven. But the world is full of distractions and confusion. These all threaten to lead us off course, to deviate from the straight and narrow line to heaven. We all need to find that star of the sea, to help guide us home. So the question then is whether or not we're doing this, if we're, we're traveling together the straight and narrow path through earthly life to heaven, guided by the light of Christ, or if we're floating along alone, confused, lost. Now, unfortunately, Christianity is divided. It's the week of prayer for Christian unity, uh, but the and the reason we have this week of prayer for Christian unity is because we are not united. Christianity is divided into thousands of different groups, all holding different beliefs, following different, if you will, curvy paths through this world. Some Christians say it's impossible to not go to heaven. Others say it's very difficult for us to go to heaven. Uh, other Christians believe that Catholics are going to hell because we pray to the saints, or especially to Mary. Um, some Christians say uh, that the Eucharist, uh, what we believe, 
you know, the bread and wine at the worship services and their denominations, that it's the real presence of Jesus. Others say it's just a symbol, and on and on. And many Christians, too, including a lot of Catholics, reject the Catholic Church's teachings on things like sexual morality, sex outside of marriage, you know, on and on. Marriage, what is marriage? Uh, Life, uh, when is it permissible to kill? Uh, On and on. And there's a lot of disagreement. This isn't, though, of course, anything really new. We hear that in our reading today. St. Paul noted, even in the early church of his day, in the very communities he himself established, rivalries had already crept in. Now that was, Jesus knew it would happen. He said he came not to bring you know, uh, peace, but division. He, he admitted this is what was going to happen, but it wasn't what he wanted. So that's why St. Paul asks, is Christ divided? Is his mystical body, the church on earth, divided? And yeah, sadly, the answer is yes. Thousands of fractions, uh, divisions. Now, Paul, I think, speaks to all of us Christians today when he writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. Now, these many differences of opinion and consequently different Christian denominations, they exist because, as I said, there's many distractions and we all chart uh, different paths through life. We can't chart a straight path on our own. Whether we're navigating at night by the stars or trying to navigate a Bible on our own, we need light, a fixed point of reference outside of ourselves and our feelings and so on as a guide. And thankfully, Isaiah and Matthew tell us that light has arisen. There is a light. That light for us today is found in Jesus Christ, especially present in his Catholic Church, church that he founded. And this week's scene from the Gospel describes the beginning of this church, of Jesus' establishment of it. We see Jesus gathering together his disciples, his first apostles, our first bishops, right? Our first Catholic bishops. And we see him leading them. We see him teaching, preaching, healing the sick. This is all the work that Jesus intended his one holy Catholic and apostolic church to carry on in the centuries that would follow his ascension back to heaven. And it is also this Catholic church in which we find the ultimate principle of unity, the one thing that will ultimately bring Christians together, and that's Jesus himself physically present in the Holy Eucharist, a presence which itself creates the church and holds it together. Without the Holy Eucharist, the Catholic Church would be gone. It would have fallen apart but Jesus is still here. And if we believe that, you know, that Christ is really present here in the Eucharist and that he established this church and that this church is his guiding presence in the world, well, then we should follow him. And we should humbly question our own motives and desires if we find ourselves disagreeing with the church's doctrine. 
you know, I don't believe what the church says about marriage or divorce or, or sexuality or all these things uh, about Holy Communion and I don't believe this, that, and the other thing. Well, who are you following? Are you really following the mystical body of Christ, our light? Because as we travel from and through the earth along this narrow path to heaven, we all have to undergo conversion. We have to leave behind sin and make sacrifices and repent and follow the right path. And this isn't easy. It's humbling. It's challenging. But when we follow that light of Christ shining in his church, instead of our own proud intellects or the culture of the day, well, that's when we're going to find real peace and happiness. Even here and now, but ultimately, of course, in heaven. That's the goal. And another thing, you know, this peace that Christians should be finding when they're united with Christ and his church, it's a peace that, uh, that, it's a peace that begs to be shared with other people. We must make it known to the world that Christ is here and in his church. We should be inviting them to unity as we make our, say, our way through this life. The Catholic Church itself was given to the world as a light to the nations uh, to make Jesus present as a guiding light to all people. May we ourselves follow that light and invite other people to join us. Amen.